Thanks for joining us today for the Fellowship Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, visit fbcpanamacity.com. Now, here's today's message. First Thessalonians chapter number three is we're going to continue in our series um, on faith, love, and hope um, out of the book of First Thessalonians as we'll begin chapter number three uh, this morning. And I want us to look at verses one through 10 and study that portion of scripture uh, this morning. The Bible says in verse number one of chapter number three, wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith that no man should be moved by these afflictions for yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it is come to pass, and ye know. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and our labor be in vain. But now... When Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you, therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. For now we live if ye stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God again for you? For all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God, night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. I want to preach on the subject this morning, hope found in the church. Hope found in the church. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Lord, we do love you. We're so thankful, Lord, just for the the time of worship that we've had this morning. God, we're we're so thankful for Jesus Christ. As Pastor Josh mentioned, Lord, when we get to heaven, heaven will be worth it all just because we have Jesus. We'll see him face to face. Jesus Christ makes heaven for us. Lord, we're thankful today for the hope that we have in Christ. And as we look in this passage of scripture, we also see Paul uh, shows us a, a glimpse of the hope that is found among the body of believers. A hope that is found when we gather together as a church. Lord, I pray that we at Fellowship Baptist Church would be a culture where hope flows. Lord, a a, a place where when we come together, our hearts are energized, our hearts are encouraged to continue steadfast in the faith. God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts today, that you would encourage us, that you would challenge us as a church family. Lord, I need you this morning. I pray that you would fill me with your spirit. God, that you would give me the exact words that your people need to hear this morning. And that Father, because of your word, because of who you are, that we would leave today different than when we came in this morning. We love you, Father. And it's in your holy and precious name that we pray. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. When we come to the end of chapter number two and the beginning of chapter number three, 
we see the emotional state that Paul is in. He says he is at a point that he can bear it no more. He can no longer forbear. Paul has been through some intense persecution during his missionary journey. This is his second missionary journey that he, is, he is, has embarked upon. He's, he's enduring a lot of, of affliction. He, along with Silas, has been beaten in Philippi. Uh, they've been thrown into prison. Uh, but God miraculously sends an earthquake and delivers them from that, that bondage, that, that prison. And, and he, he goes to uh, a, a few other places on his way to Thessalonica. When he comes to Thessalonica, he preaches uh, the gospel, the same message that he was thrown into prison for. He preaches that gospel message, and, and many in Thessalonica accept the gospel. Um, and and it, it has a powerful effect upon their life. And a church, a local body is formed there in Thessalonica. In just a short time, God was moving. God was working. And, and Paul loved to be there with those people. But once again, Paul was driven out of Thessalonica because of persecution. People wanted to kill him. They wanted to take his life. And so he's driven out. He then goes to Berea. In Berea, he finds he is faced with persecution once again. And, the, and his, his team says, okay, Paul, I think it's good for you to go to Athens and we'll leave you there alone and you can take a, a sabbatical, if you will. You need to get away from this for, for a time. You need to, to get away, get alone with God. And, and Paul is at a breaking point in his life. Chapter three shows us that Paul wasn't this Captain America right? He wasn't this, this uh, uh, Marvel comic or, uh, or this, this DC uh, superhero. No, he was a human being just like we are. He had emotions. He had difficult times in his life. He went through trials. He went through difficult seasons. And he longed to see his church family in Thessalonica, but he couldn't get back there. As we talked about last week, because Satan hindered him, and now he can no longer endure it. He's at a breaking point in his life. As Paul writes chapter three, at a time when he could no longer forbear, he is able to find hope and encouragement to continue on. You see, he finds this hope in the church of Thessalonica. He finds this hope in his fellow believers, in his spiritual family. I know. We go through things in our life, don't we? There are times in our life where we feel we have reached the, 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 the final straw that we could no longer forbear. We've had those moments in our life. We've had those times in our life. We've, we've gotten to those points and it is in those moments when we need a hope-giving culture within our church body. It's in those points where we need the hope that the church can give us. Yes, we have hope in Christ and he is sufficient for all that we need, but it helps to have the hope giving uh, that the church can, can give, the hope that the church can give. It is in those times that we need each other. And so as we look at the hope that is found in the church, I want us to see here in these 10 verses, there is hope, number one, in gospel partnership. There is hope in gospel partnership. Look at verse number one again with me. He says, wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone and sent Timotheus, 
our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the, in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. Paul says, we realized that we, that I could not go back to you because for Paul to go back to Thessalonica, it could have cost him his life. And he realizes this. Um, and so Paul says, we thought about the best solution for me and also for you as a church. And the conclusion to that matter was, I'm going to take a sabbatical in Athens and I'm going to send Timothy to strengthen you and encourage you. That was the solution that they came to. But Paul, we find here, he has found hope during his desperate situation in his partner in the gospel ministry. He's found hope in Timothy. No, he can't get to Thessalonica, but his gospel partner can get there in Timothy. He finds hope in that. Paul was never a one-man show. Paul desired to have a team. He always worked with a team. He never wanted to be alone. He never wanted to be isolated. And so um, he believed in a team. He believed in pastoral help. He believed in pastoral help alongside him. He found hope in knowing that he had another pastor working with him with the same heart, with the same love for the people in Thessalonica. And he calls Timothy, what? A brother. We see the relationship. You know, you and I are brothers and sisters in Christ. There's hope in that. He calls him a minister or a servant, a, a, a pastor. He calls him a co-laborer. Timothy was a brother in Christ who helped Paul bear the burden of ministry. And he found hope in that. There's, a, there's a, another example from the other end is a man by the name of Elijah. We know the, in the Old Testament, Elijah was a man who, who felt like he had no one else with him. You know the story. He, he called fire from heaven, right? God, he, called, he, he called fire from heaven. God sent the fire and, and it consumed the, the prophets of, of Baal and he was on a high, but then he, he becomes depressed and he says, God, there's no one else that's faithful. I'm the only one. I'm the only servant. And because he didn't have that gospel, that partnership in ministry, what did it lead to? It led to his depression. It led to his, his suicidal thoughts because he needed to know that there was someone else there with him that was helping him, that was able to be a co-laborer with him. And what did God do? God reassured him, hey, there's 7,000 people back in Jerusalem that are for me, that are serving me. And he reassured him that he had other people with him. But see, understand that the Christian life is not designed to be a solo act. Amen? The Christian life is not to be designed to be a solo act. Hope flows from serving together. Hope flows from serving together. It is healthy when we serve together. It is, uh, understand, fellowship we are a, a team here at Fellowship Baptist Church. Can I get an amen, team? We are a team here at Fellowship Baptist Church. You know, here at Fellowship Baptist Church, we don't want to have a bench. There is no bench. Everyone is in the game. Everyone is, is in to serve. Everyone is in it to co-labor together. And we find hope when we work together. We find hope in that bearing the, the burden of ministry together. It's important, and Paul finds hope in that. See, there is hope that is found in gospel partnership. 
We can't live a Christ-honoring Christian life without each other. Isolation is toxic. Isolation in the Christian life is toxic. It leads to depression. It leads to loneliness. And we need fellow co-laborers to help bear the burdens of ministry and life in general. We need each other. See, we will have times in our life when we have reached our limit. We will have times in our life, like Paul says, in his Christian life, he he could no longer forbear. And it's in those times that we can find hope in others that are partnering with us, that are co-laboring with us. Church, we are a team. Listen, if you aren't a part of of a group or a team here at Fellowship Baptist Church, be a part of it. If If you're here today, and maybe you've been contemplating about joining the church and becoming a member and getting involved. Listen, get involved because there is hope that is found in gospel partnership. There's hope found in it. Paul finds this hope. He finds it in Timothy. I can't go, but hey, I know someone who has the same heart and mind that I do that can go to the people. He found hope in it. But not only that, we see that there is hope in seeing affliction as an appointment. There's hope in seeing affliction as an appointment of God. Look at verse number three and four. The Bible says that no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it has come to pass. And ye No, Paul says, we sent Timothy to you because we don't want to be moved. We don't want you to be moved. We don't want you to be uprooted in your faith by this affliction. I'll just wait a minute, okay? (laughs) Listen, Paul says, we sent Timothy to you because we don't want you to be moved or uprooted in your faith by the affliction in your life. He says, we told you that affliction would come And that affliction is appointed to us by God. The Bible says in 1 Peter 4, 19, it says, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. What does Peter tell us? He says, listen, we that suffer, we suffer according to his will so that his will might be worked out, that his plan might might come through Uh, to fruition. And he says, and I want you to continue living for him as a faithful creator. In Romans chapter five, verses three through four, the Bible says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulation also. Knowing that tribulation, what? It worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope. God uses tribulation to help us grow in our faith. In Romans 8, 28, it says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Church, don't let circumstances in your life uproot you in your faith. You see, hardship can do two things in our life. It can rattle us, it can shake us, or it can be seen as an appointment of God. You see, the gospel changes suffering from bad luck to an assignment. The gospel changes suffering from bad luck 
to an assignment. When you looked at the life of Jesus Christ, you say, well, he, he has a lot of bad luck if the world would look at it, right? He suffered greatly, but he suffered, why? So that we might have life, so that we might have hope. He said, he said at the end of his life, he said, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, at thy will, I will go to the cross, right? He knew that suffering was a part of the will of God for his life. It was an appointment from God the Father. It was the will of the Father. Our problems are a product of God working his will in our life. We have to see our affliction as that. As God working his will in our life. You see, the Thessalonians suffering wasn't because of their disobedience to God. The Thessalonians weren't suffering because of their carnality. They were suffering because they were Christians. They were suffering because they were living for Christ. It was a divine appointment from God. You see, many times our suffering is the same. Affliction in our life is not an oops on God's part. You hear that? Affliction in our life is when, when we lose our job, God's not like, oh, oops, there's a mistake. Now we got to do something to fix this. Or when we lose a family member or we go through a dark valley in our life, God isn't sitting back saying, oops, I messed up. Let's work this out. No, every step that we take is filtered by the grace of God and the love of God. Church, we will find hope in the midst of our affliction when we see it as a part of God's plan and will for our life. Let me say that again. We will find hope in our affliction if we see it as God's will and appointment in our life. When we see it as an assignment from God in which our faith can grow stronger. Church, we can either complain about the assignment of affliction in our life, or we can embrace it and allow God's grace and by God's grace, fulfill it when we're faced with affliction. You see, a biblical, balanced disciple of Jesus Christ isn't surprised by suffering. Isn't surprised by suffering. They expect it, they accept it, and they see it as an assignment from God. You see, if suffering is an appointment from God, then there is hope in affliction. There is hope in affliction. But then we also see number three, that there is hope found in other believers' faith. There is hope that is found in other believers' faith. Look at verse number five. He says, for this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and our labor be in vain. Paul says that not knowing what was going on in Thessalonica was agonizing to him. He couldn't forbear it. He couldn't take it any longer to the point that it increased his affliction. He could no longer forbear. And so he started to get discouraged. He started to get distressed. So he sent Timothy to hear if they were steadfast in their faith. Verse number six. But now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us, as we also to see you. He says, we got a great report from Timothy. He comes back with this wonderful report that you are steadfast in your faith, that you are showing love toward one another. You're helping each other get through your own affliction and also that you desire to be with us as well. 
And then he says in verse number seven, look at the effect of it. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. We were comforted in our affliction, in our distress. How? By your faith. This news has encouraged us, is what he's saying. It's given us hope. It's given us new life. He says, we sent Timothy to encourage you, but you have in return encouraged us. But I want us to go back to verse number six. I want us to see one phrase and focus in on this one phrase this morning. Look where he says this, brought us good tidings. Timothy says, brought us good tidings. Now, this is very interesting. The verb, the Greek verb here for this phrase is evangel, evangelizo. I don't speak Greek, so it's hard for me. Evangelizo. And it means to proclaim good news. To proclaim good news. In every other case that Paul uses this verb, evangelizo, it is translated preached the gospel. Preached the gospel. Now, why is that interesting? I think this news from Timothy should be translated with, with some gospel emphasis here. What, what do we mean by that? Paul meant it to more than just he was happy when he heard the report. There is an aspect of gospel good news at work here in Paul's life. Paul's faith was greatly strengthened by the good news that Timothy shared with him. Paul's faith was strengthened so much that he uses the same word that every other place is preached the gospel. This was such good news in Paul's life that Paul's very salvation was brought nearer than it had ever been. Now, don't get, don't, don't, don't get worried when I say stuff like that because we must remember that when it comes to salvation, salvation is not just justification, but it is also sanctification and glorification. You see, we are saved from the penalty of sin. We are declared righteous, right? De justification. Not only that, but in sanctification, we, are, uh, we, we understand that we are, are being saved to and from different things. And we will be saved eventually glorified in heaven. That's the three parts of, of our salvation. You see, and, and understand here that when the apostle heard this report, his own sanctification jumped ahead of where it was. So he called this good news. He called this gospel news for him in his life. So what, is it, what does that mean for us? Because of their faith, because their faith was real, Paul's faith was strengthened and he grew in his sanctification. That's the power of this. That's the power of the faith of other believers. He grew in his sanctification because of their faith. His own salvation was affected by their salvation. Their faith strengthened his faith. Amen? What a wonderful truth that we see this morning. That, that is a truth that is not only true for Paul, but it's true for us as well. We must consider how our faith affects the faith of others. We should ask ourselves the question, how does my faith affect those around me? Am I strengthening the faith of others by my faith and my commitment to Jesus Christ, or am I hindering the faith of others? 
When it comes to young people, are they looking at me and seeing my faith? Are they finding faith because of my faith? Listen, Paul found hope in these believers' faith. He was discouraged. He was distressed. But when he brings the good news of their faith, his faith was strengthened. He's encouraged. He's now comforted. There is power in our faith. Not only for ourselves, but also for one another. There is hope that is found in each other's faith. You see, when I see someone who has lost their job and they don't waver in their faith, it gives me hope. When I see a believer who loses a child and they don't waver from their faith, it gives me hope. When I see a believer who goes through a dark valley in their life and they don't waver in their faith and they stay steadfast in their faith, what does that do in my life? It gives me hope. There is hope that is found in other believers' faith. But then lastly, I want us to see that there is hope in mutual steadfastness. There is hope in mutual steadfastness. Look at verse number eight. I love this. Paul's discouraged. He can know the very beginning of chapter three. He can no longer forbear. Verse number eight, now we live. Now we're quickened. Now we have new life. If ye stand fast in the Lord, for what thanks can we render to God again for you for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God, night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. That word live means quicken. It means energize. Paul says, after I receive the good news of your steadfastness in the midst of your affliction, I am a newly energized man. It had that effect on him. Verse number seven, it says he's afflicted and he's distressed. And now he is comforted. He is energized. He is given new life and he is thanking God for the believers in Thessalonica. You see, God used this church family he used their steadfastness to breathe life into Paul. He needed it. He was struggling. He could no longer forbear, but their faith and their steadfastness gave him life. See, I'm sure also that the Thessalonian believers, they also found hope in Paul's and his team's steadfastness. I'm sure they thought, hey, if they can be persecuted in Philippi and ran out of Thessalonica and Berea and they go through all of this, then we can too for the cause of Christ. Because there is hope found in mutual steadfastness. See, when the church body is, a, is growing in the word, when we are unified, when we are focused on Jesus Christ, when we keep him first, when we are following him and our eyes are on him, there is a health that the gospel produces. And it's not that the people are perfect because no church is perfect. We are all have our issues. We all have our shortcomings, but the gospel focused church is a healthy church. And what comes out of that health is a mutual steadfastness that gives us hope. That gives us all hope in this Christian life. And you know, I don't know about you, but I need that. I need that. 
the bond that we share, the encouragement that we give to one another, the hope that we breathe into one another is very powerful. It can literally quicken us. It can bring us back to life. It's what Paul says here. He says, their steadfastness gave them life. It gave them hope. See, let church, let us be steadfast in our afflictions. Amen? They will come. Don't be surprised. Don't be worried. But be steadfast in your affliction. And also let us be an encourager to one another. You see, as soon as Paul is encouraged by the good news from Timothy, what does he do? He writes a letter back of encouragement to the Thessalonians. They encouraged one another. They uplifted one another. They gave each other hope. The Thessalonian church was a life-giving, hope-flowing culture that helped Paul in his time of affliction. It gave him hope. And church here at Fellowship Baptist, let us strive to be like the Thessalonian church. Amen? Let us strive to be like the Thessalonian church, to have a church culture that gives each other hope. I'm thankful for the hope that we have in Christ. Amen? There's no greater hope that we can have than than the hope in Jesus Christ. But I'm also thankful for the hope that we can give each other in our steadfastness. Paul needed hope in a difficult, dark time in his life. And where did he find it? Yes, he found it in Christ, but he also found hope in the church. Let us be a church that gives hope to one another. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Fellowship Baptist Church. Come visit us at 2501 Michigan Avenue, Panama City, Florida. For more information, check out fbcpanamacity.com. Have a great week.